It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchie. Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic. Talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbo. We welcome in Mitch Sherman with The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? Is the uh, flight tracking and ear to the ground uh, continues? You're able to sneak away. Is the swim meet fun? Let me ask you that first. I am. I'm got a, it's a nice natural break. Saw my daughter swim a couple races, and, and now I can talk to you during during the break. So that's awesome. Everything's just working out great in uh, in this this one hour window of my day. Otherwise, you know, it's it's just a mess all over the place. But that's uh, <laughs> that's off season. It is, Mitch. And we're certainly getting it this week. We are, and and what a forty eight hours it's been, and. Let me ask you, what what are you more surprised about with Nebraska? Are you surprised that they've been able to go big game hunting with the portal? Or are you more surprised that, all right, Dylan Riola's uh, back in play potentially? Yeah, way more surprised about the fact that Dylan Riola is back in play. And, and not potentially. I mean, he is back in play. And, you know, you can never count anything until it's official. But uh, <laughs> this one looks pretty likely. Uh, he's coming to visit on the last weekend of of the uh, the visit calendar here. Signing day is next Wednesday, so these aren't the kind of moves that you make if you're just looking around. There's not a whole lot of looking around that's going on with uh, with quarterbacks one week ahead of signing day. Maybe some, but I don't think that's the situation here. He's been to Nebraska six times in the past, and now coming coming back for an unofficial visit. Um, yeah, very surprised. I mean, I, I really hadn't heard more than a peep or a whisper about Dylan Rayola for the last close to seven months. And then yesterday it, um, it all just kind of happened. So I, 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 you know, at this point it's, it's difficult to know exactly what to make of it, Chris, but you just have to understand that college football and recruiting is, has been forever changed by a lot of the forces that, that dominate the game now. And, NIL is a huge thing when you start dealing with five-star prospects, and that's the case with, with Kyle McCord, the guy they're after from Ohio State, in, in addition to, to Dylan Riola. So Nebraska may be going from uh, a situation at quarterback where you were very much strapped uh, as far as what the Huskers had in the system uh, based on what we, what we saw in 2023 to essentially an abundance uh, of riches, at least in terms of the potential of these players, and in the case of McCord, it's more the potential. You know, he's produced at the at the highest level, and and you know, Riola, while he hasn't done that, is is about as surefire of a prospect as you're going to find from that position. It's Mitch Sherman with us here from the Athletic on Hale Varsity Radio, and Mitch, to use a racing analogy, it almost feels like Nebraska is taking the lead in turn four of the Daytona 500 on the final lap here in the recruitment of Dylan Riola. But I want to get your take on on what Georgia and their contingent thinks about this whole Ryle situation. You see some Husker fans out there that say, maybe this is just a, a play by Dylan Ryle to try to get some NIL money back from Georgia to try to put a, a power play on them late in this process. Do you get any feel from the powers that be down at Georgia that that could be a possibility here? Do they still feel good about being able to retain Ryle, or what's the situation down in Athens? No, I don't think Georgia feels good about their ability to retain Dylan Ryle at this point. I think they understand what's, 
what's happening and that they've likely lost him. And, and you know, it's a matter of Georgia being Georgia in this. Georgia's not going to change the entire method and strategy through which they recruit based on any one prospect. And, you know, if it was just, just a completely um, about resources uh, and, and you, know, you didn't have – you know, you didn't want to set the wrong precedent, uh, then, you know, I'm sure Georgia, with its, with its deep donor base and having won two consecutive national championships, could come up with what was necessary here. But, uh, you know, they have to run the program, their program, the way that they want to run it and not make exceptions just because someone is a five-star prospect. I mean, uh, they're, they're not – and, again, this is this – is, this, is, this stuff comes from – technically from their donors, from the collective. So I want to be careful and not say that, like, the Georgia football program, you know, through their SEC television revenue is paying this stuff out because it's, you know, technically not how it works. But, yeah. you know, it's all it all kind of goes hand in hand. Georgia's a rich program, and it's it's uh, it has rich resources in, in every way, but they're not necessarily known as a school that, through its NIL endeavors, pays the most to get prospects. They've won uh, with great players all over the field and with quarterbacks who have been more underappreciated than, say, Alabama and Ohio State um, in, co- in coming up through that Georgia system. You know, you, you've, you've seen Georgia win national championships with, uh, with former walk-ons at the QB spot. And, and even the guy they have now, Carson Beck, was not quite at the level of a Rayola coming out of high school. So they have a, they have a formula, formula that they use, and they're not going to change it, um, you know, based on what any one player may desire in, in, uh, in this recruiting cycle. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic. We're talking Nebraska's quarterback, Chase. I want to get your thought here, Mitch, with Nebraska, and specifically Daniel Kalen who we talked a lot about, and he was instrumental with this recruiting class that's set to sign on Wednesday. What vibe or feel do you have about Kalen, Nebraska, and Nebraska back in the Riola race while Kalen said yes and flipped on Missouri um, when, he, when he had a spot uh, a while back uh, for his next stop in, in football? Yeah, it's a really tough situation for Danny Kalen. And, and the quarterback out of Bellevue West, he, as you said, flipped from Missouri to Nebraska. Nebraska was his dream school. That happened right after Rayola went off the board for Nebraska back in May. And here we are a week before signing day. And, and you know, he's, he's in, in limbo. Not in limbo as far as his scholarship. Um, Nebraska will certainly take him. But if you're Danny Kalen, you have to understand the situation. And he, and he knows. He understands the situation that he's coming in. If he chooses to sign with Nebraska next week, he's coming in as someone who's greatly overshadowed uh, by by a, a classmate. Uh, if if in fact this turns out the way it looks like it will, and, and Rayola signs, you know, I think the Kyle McCord thing for for um, for Daniel Kalen would not be an issue. McCord has one season, and and Kalen would would be a great candidate to redshirt and learn under an older quarterback next year. Uh, but Rayola, it's a game changer, and I think if you're Kalen, you have to have to look at this and try to decide, you know, what's going to be best best for you. And you know, if he chooses to look around, um, then it becomes a question of what's out there. You know, schools are generally set at quarterback 
um, at this stage. And he probably, not probably, he certainly wouldn't have the same kind of options that he did back in the spring when he was hoping to make his final decision. So it's a fluid situation. You know, nothing's done with Dylan Rayola um, until he signs. And Daniel Kalen could, could um, conceivably wait and, and react to, to what, what else happens in this class. But as you mentioned, you know, he was instrumental for Nebraska. His, his commitment in May and then the work that he did to organize some of those weekends in June was key for Nebraska not only in landing the two Bellevue West teammates, the two receivers, and, and guys like Carter Nelson, the tight end out of Ainsworth, but others in this class, both in-state and out-of-state. And, and um, it's, just, this is just, it's just a big business. Is what, it's what, it, what it's become, especially with NIL and the transfer portal. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, I guess he's getting a, a lesson in, in what the real world's like, even though uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily deserve to have that happen to him right now. Mitch Sherman with us here. And Mitch, what is the feel you're getting on Kyle McCord? If my flight tracking proves to be true, (laughs) I think in roughly 30 minutes he might be getting on a flight from Charlotte to Syracuse, New York. Again, I could be wrong on that. But what's the feel you're getting on on Kyle McCord and where he currently stands in his recruitment to Nebraska? I think he's in a good – Nebraska's in a good spot with him. You know, they did what they could do. They brought him in. Um, He met with the people that he needed to meet with yesterday and – was still in Lincoln today, uh, flew out of, of the state today. And uh, Syracuse is a school that's been connected to, uh, to McCord. You know, we'll see if uh, you know what you're talking about. Um, I don't have information one way or the other about whether he's going to make more visits and, um, you know, haven't read maybe every report that, that's out there. So um, I, I could be somewhat uneducated on, on what I know, but I'll trust what you said, Elijah, and, and if he's going there, then he's going to have something to compare Nebraska to. Now, um, it's interesting with Syracuse for sure because of the staff that they're putting together after, um, you know, with, with a first-year staff with Fran Brown, um, who came from Georgia, and Fran Brown's a former Matt Rule assistant, and he's brought in Elijah Robinson as his defensive coordinator. He's he's perhaps bringing in Jeff Nixon as his OC, and and all three of those guys are former Matt Rule assistants. So. Um, you know, if Syracuse and Nebraska are going head-to-head for Kyle McCord, it's going to be the, the, the first of probably many times over the years to come that those two schools are thinking the same about what they want to do with personnel um, and with coaching staff hires. So, you know, it's not, not exactly a natural rival for Nebraska to, uh, to have out on the, on the East Coast in the ACC, um, but just with the complexion of the staff makeups and the people who are there running those programs, I think we're going to run into more, more situations like this. But I think with McCord and Nebraska – uh, they're in a good place. They've done all that they can do. He's seen the presentation. He's seen the um, he's seen the football uh, headquarters and, and the the nerve center. Um, and then it'll have to be a decision about whether he wants to stay in the Big Ten or or go somewhere else. Mitch, about a minute, and we'll get you out. Thanks for the time. When we talk about the the quarterback topic, the last forty eight hours, any feel that that Nebraska may be looking at someone to be quarterback coach? Is that something that could be in play? Uh, as part of this, uh, this finish to 2023, it could be in play. Yeah, I think that before the names Kyle McCord or Dylan Rayola or any of these guys popped up on the radar, you know, the other quarterbacks who were in the portal that Nebraska was linked to, um, there was certainly the the possibility that Nebraska was going to make a change um, at, at what it was doing with the QB coach position. And that's not, you know, to say that they're sending Marcus Satterfield packing. He's he's going to be the OC. But uh, Matt Rule may choose to go back to the system that 
he intended to use in, in building a staff a year ago at this time. And Nebraska was seeking to hire a quarterbacks coach and, and was set to have Satterfield coach the tight ends. And, uh, you know, they didn't, they didn't get the, they didn't make the right connection. They didn't find the right match with a QB coach. So Satterfield slipped over, switched over and, and coached the quarterbacks in year one. And, and they brought in Bob Wager and, and, uh, you know, that didn't work out with him obviously at the, at the beginning of the, of the season. So they made a move to, to Josh Martin right before the season started. And, and yeah, I do think that there's a, more than just a possibility. I think there's a likelihood that Nebraska is going to have some shifts on the offensive staff. And part of that very well could be to bring in a quarterback's coach who is not also calling the plays and designing the, uh, designing the offense. It could be something that would be beneficial for the, the coaching that the quarterbacks get. So um, certainly, yeah, be on the lookout for that to happen here over the next, next few weeks. Mitch, you take care. Thanks for the time. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys.